we have a brand new podcast. Visit myprivacy.help to subscribe. Did you know you can completely control your personal information without relying on a third party? Farris, Gordon, and industry experts explain how you can reclaim control of your data, your privacy, your life. Visit myprivacy.help. This can potentially help drive adoption to people that aren't really interested in Bitcoin as an asset, as a store of value or medium of exchange. There's far more people right now that are interested in protecting uh, and having private speech. So for less than 50 cents, maybe a buck, if you're a big time text messenger, you can have completely encrypted um, private communication. So this kind of drives the, the adoption discussion um, as, as instead of just looking at Bitcoin from a monetary standpoint, this is really driving driving it from the power of the Bitcoin network itself, which you're just attaching a Satoshi to and dragging that communication across the network. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics Podcast. I'm your host, Ferris, here again with my co-host, Gordon. And today is, well, time recording is the 3rd of November. The price of Bitcoin is hovering around $20,000. Satoshi's per dollar is $4,970. The block height at time of recording is $761,450. Now, Gordon, we just had a really fascinating conversation with Rick Fisher and Alejandro Moishont, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, So Alejandro is the National Security Advisor in El Salvador, uh, National Security Advisor to President Bukele. Um, And in this conversation, he actually tells us he's the one who introduced the uh, President Bukele to Bitcoin. And he's talking to uh, Rick, we're speaking, sorry, with Rick Rick Fisher as well, as they're launching a new app called Blip. I, this was a Fascinating conversation with a lot of twists and turns in it. Yeah, it sure was for us. And, and, and we're really privileged to interview people, everyone from sort of individuals to people in government, to people, uh, entrepreneurial, entrepreneur and private businesses. And it's so exciting, you know, Bitcoin adoption around the world and especially in El Salvador uh, being legal tender. And I think, I think both Rick and Alejandro were honest in their opinions about what was happening. Um, it is an old you know, rainbows and unicorns, and and they sort of mentioned some of the struggles. But yeah, what they're trying to do, build a, basically an encrypted messaging system over the Lightning Network. They're also trying to build like a decentralized um, Patreon, for want of a better word, for donations and people sending value through that. And these kind of projects, I just love them for us because, you know, Bitcoin's all about self-sovereignty, being in control of your own money, uh, sending value, but it's also about privacy, you know, choosing what you want to share and um, not being censored about what you say or what political party or who you donate to. So absolutely fascinating. I love these projects. Both Rick and Alejandro are super passionate about what they're doing. But as I said, they do give an honest opinion about what's happening in El Salvador and and, and their backgrounds are interesting in and of themselves. So a fascinating interview. And uh, without further ado, here it is. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. 
So Rick, Alejandro, thank you very much for joining us this morning or evening, afternoon, where you guys are. Um, so I guess we'll start with you, Alejandro, if you don't mind, just tell us who you are, what you do for our listeners that are um, unfamiliar with your work. Yeah, well, I'm a cybersecurity specialist with more than 25 years of experience. I'm also a counter-terrorist uh, expert. I am currently the National Security Advisor for El Salvador. I've been in this position for three and a half years. Um, I've been a Bitcoiner since 2012. I went the wrong way um, a couple of years. I strayed away from Bitcoin and started shitcoining until I... Oh, Rick was part of the reason I ditched shitcoining and... Uh, kept in the in the right path so um, at certain point i am the one who introduced bitcoin to the bukeles uh, during our campaign because we, we were being sidetracked by anyone being that banks uh, whatever they, they didn't want us to get money for our campaign so i went to uh, the bukeles and said hey listen this is an option lightning was not available back then so I said, Bitcoin is the option. And then I met with one of, one of his brother, Karim, and explained to him what was Bitcoin and blockchain. And he was amazed at what can happen with that and the possibilities that that promised to the, to the country. So um, I'm 45 years old. Um, there's not much that I can say. I I am behind the curtains always. So your Twitter feed, I find very interesting because you talk a lot about privacy and security. And that's something that we explain to a lot in our audiences, OPSEC and InfoSec. Uh, but then at the same time, you were the mayor of um, San Salvador, weren't you? So no, 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 no. That, that, that's, that's a cousin of mine, uh, Ernesto. Ah, okay. And he is in jail right now because he negotiated with the organized certain, uh, with organized uh, with terrorist organizations, and he is um, purging that. Oh, so that's your cousin. Okay, I thought I said the same name come across. So, was your so coming into the Bitcoin shitcoin space that was purely from a tech background? Is is that how you came into it originally? Bitcoin? No, I was bored in 2012 and then i came by the satoshi uh, white paper the bitcoin white paper and then i started mining uh, i started with uh with a full array of usb asic miners made by, made by bitmain so yeah back then uh, mining was very easy and i was dumb enough to sell what i made mining so if I were to send a message to, to my former self, I would say, do not sell those Bitcoins. <laughs> and then I started mining with the single blade ant miners and the dual blade ant miners and so on, so on. The technology evolved, difficulty became higher and, yeah. And yeah, no, we hear the same message from a lot of people. I made the mistake of, getting into Bitcoin and getting into something else and then selling my Bitcoins. It's a, it's a common theme. So you're not alone. Um, so um, Rick, tell us about yourself. How did you and Alejandro meet? What, what's your background? How would, where was your Bitcoin light bulb moment? 
Yeah, well, mine is um, considerably different than Alejandro. I, I come from a medical device manufacturing background. Um, I got involved in that in 1998 and have been manufacturing medical devices for the past 20 years. And in 2017, I kind of went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, um, started like everybody else, you know, just trying to understand what it was. And as 2017 went on and there was discussion about the big block and small block wars, and a lot of it wasn't making sense at the time, uh, followed the followed it up to the top and at the end of 2017 and was able to hang on and then really started educating myself from there. And I kind of subscribed to just being a hodler. Um, and I, I had done that for the past four years. Um, and I found that difficult. I mean, a, a great approach, but I got bored of just uh, trying to, trying to hodl Bitcoin. And um, I guess the, the entrepreneur side of me wanted to wanted to do more, so I came to El Salvador last year, last November, and had a couple of days to spend with Alejandro, and um, we had a chance to talk about the launch of of Bitcoin here, the Chivo Wallet, some of the challenges that were ahead, and some of the great opportunities that were also ahead for the country. Um, and really talking with Alejandro, we. He, he really had an idea of the concept of creating another Bitcoin wallet. So we started a discussion about that. We wanted to develop a, a custodial wallet solution that was a lightweight download, very fast, simple, and secure. And I, with definitely a, an emphasis on security, uh, Alejandro and his team kind of went over the top on that uh, just because of his years of cybersecurity and interception of um, terrorist organizations and, and gang members and that sort of thing. So we, we um, I guess we finished the wallet up maybe around July. We started in early January and finished, finished it up in, in July. And then we started our own testing. Um, uh, so we have about a hundred users that just kind of test the wallet Um and, and we haven't actually launched it yet because a few months around August, we, we really started to realize that what had been developed from a security standpoint, um, which is what we call Hexum, and Alejandro can go into those details, but we realized that we had more of, of an opportunity to provide a, a, a communications platform that could be completely encrypted and could not be hacked. And, um, and so that's kind of where where things started. And uh, so we in, in, in August, we, we really kind of transitioned out of uh, the focus of launching our wallet and instead transitioned into into um, developing Blip, which is an encrypted communication messaging platform. So so that's kind of where we're at today. Um, just now getting to the point of of introducing uh, the proof of concept uh, for blip and it, it it's it's a little different in that it's not just it's it's not peer-to-peer -peer. it's a um, a peer to to hexam encryption over lightning decrypt and then over to to the peer and we power that with with sats it's a bitcoin only solution so wow that's 
That's that that's super exciting, and uh, I, I would like to get into that in a moment. Um, and for those listening, we have actually interviewed um, Nikki and James. Um, and uh, first, I'm blanking on the name of uh, Francesco uh, Money Delix. Francesca as well. Um, so I'm not going to reiterate uh, what we've said before. And uh, we've gone into, for example, the Chivo wallet and perhaps some of the uh, Bitcoin, uh, what's sort of happening in our sub. And I'd actually la- like to ask in a moment about sort of the general feeling. But um, before we get into that, because Faris knows I love a particular operating system. So I have to ask Alejandro, <laughs> as a cybersecurity guy like myself, what operating system do you use? Well, really, uh, it doesn't matter what OS you use. The thing is, whatever OS you're using, you must secure it. I had been a really diehard Mac fan since 1984. And Apple at that time promised that so that 1984 will not be 1984. Then Jobs died in 2011, I think. And for after jobs, he must have set up plans for four or five years, maybe after his death. Um, then after his passing and the vision, Tim Cook took uh, over Apple and limiting what software I can run in my Mac or um, how many RAM uh, bars can I install on my Mac uh, it became a little bit like friction with the brand and then they switched to from Intel to the M1 processor now it's M2 and uh, I don't think it's worth the cost benefit paying for a Mac so I use regularly because of the software that is needed for me to work uh, Windows, but I, I also use uh, Fedora and Ubuntu. Good answer. I, I don't want to go down the road hole uh, there. I'm, I'm a huge open source Linux guy, so that, that's just a stock standard question. <laughs> um, anyway, let's not, let's not go down that rubble. Uh, both of you have a, have a, a really interesting story. Um, and as I said before, we've interviewed people from El Salvador, in El Salvador, before we get into the blip wallet and uh, what's going on there, what's the general feeling like in El Salvador? Because, I mean, we hear so much FUD. We hear surveys coming out that, you know, El Salvador, most El Salvadorans haven't heard of Bitcoin, don't use it. Like, what's what's actually going on in El Salvador? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I'll, I'll let Alejandro take it from his perspective. And then I, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm not from here, so, which I, I, I live here right now, but... Uh, I'll let Alejandro answer from his perspective first. Well, the thing, uh, Chivo was developed in 90 days. Uh, the Bitcoin law was passed and we, we as a country had 90 days in order to have that ready. So there was no time uh, for Chivo to be alpha tested, beta tested, or even stress tested. It it lacked cybersecurity. It was not built up upon a frame of cybersecurity. So people that originally got Chivo, there were plenty of trouble 
with, with the app. So people lost money. And that's that. what people expect when using a wallet. Then uh, Bitcoin became highly politicized. And there's, since there was no education, Chiba was released with, a, with only three min, minute videos of education and that, that that's not, not enough. So people do not know the difference between Chivo and Bitcoin. So uh, since uh, Chivo and, and, and Bitcoin is politicized and is seen as a Bukele um, program, the opposition does not like it. So they're against Bitcoin, even though they, they do not take their time to make their own research. Uh, on the other hand, um, people receive payments in Chivo. Uh, so they place a sign that says uh, pay with Bitcoin, but you have to use Chivo and they don't accept Bitcoin. They just accept USD as a payment through Chivo. So it's kind of misleading there. Uh, the, the, there are places like El Sonte where Bitcoin Beach started, Sunsal and other places that, yes, that they are full Bitcoin Bitcoin friendly and strike uh, has entered the market as well. And in restaurants, uh, strike ha has made festival food festivals and all that. And if you pay through strike, you get a, a really nice discount. Let's say a 20% discount, a 25% discount, which is attractive. Uh, on the other hand, the government services can be paid through Bitcoin And there is this platform, I don't know if you, you know it, but it's Bitrefill and it's big in El Salvador. So you can pay anything you want out of Bitrefill. So if you're trying to live the Bitcoin life and you're living here, then Bitrefill is a solution. Uh, we wanted to bring a solution uh, with our wallet and we made a, a partnership with Azteco And we were partnering with Open Node and other things. Uh, uh, this project has been kind of difficult because it's been bootstrap financed. Uh, being that, Rick, uh, the, the financial part here. And in order to take uh, th these to other levels, we were also uh, integrating our wallet with uh, MasterCard so people can can send their Bitcoins, tra transfer it to USD and spend it through their MasterCard. Uh, MasterCard. Uh, and uh, all of this takes time and money. And money is an issue in our project. So if someone is listening and is an angel investor or one part of the company, we're fine with it. So, uh, uh, I don't know if I got off topic, but uh, uh, back to Chivo. Chivo until June, July of this year integrated Lightning services to the wallet. And that, that was one thing that Chivo lacked. And if you're going to pay, it's better on Lightning. So... If, if I were, was using another wallet rather than Chivo and I would pay someone with Chivo, I had to go on to go on chain and that took forever 
and created chaos and confusion. And uh, people say, no, 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 I, I don't want Bitcoin. No more Bitcoin. If you want to pay Chivo, okay, you pay me in, in USD through Chivo. And that was, we accept Bitcoin in El Salvador. Uh, Chivo has uh, been fixed a bit by AlphaPoint. Uh, now it doesn't have that many bugs and problems. Those insecurity has a couple of glitches that must be fixed. And we, uh, as, as the, as a, National Security Advisor and our department has already told them what to fix, and we cannot execute on their grounds. That that that's for them to receive the data and analyze and and see if they can, if they will proceed with with what we have provided. So, Chivo uh, has been mocked by media that Chivo is dead. And Chivo and Chivo this, Chivo that. And that's because the president, when Chivo was implemented, every day he said, have you seen your Chivo wallet? And then Bitcoin started crashing and crashing and crashing. And then got from 69 to 40, then 40 to 20. And the president no longer said, have you seen your Chivo wallet? So uh, it became uh, a topic of mocking. And I, I've always believed that the best marketing device for Bitcoin is through education. So on my free time, I'm, I've given lightning workshops at La Casa del Bitcoin, which is a Bitcoin house that is by Paxful. And trying to get people to use lightning and how to configure their, their own nodes and et cetera, everything like that. So. So I actually have a million questions, but I'll start with this. Just a summary. And and for those listening, this is the Bitcoin Basics podcast. We we try not to patronize, patronize our audience by dumbing stuff down too much. But again, we don't want to get into, and, and I'll ask you about Hexum uh, encryption model in a second. I guess, please correct me if I'm wrong, but basically in El Salvador, you have the Chivo wallet, which was USD Bitcoin on chain. There are plenty of Lightning wallets out there. You know, um, people can download a Lightning wallet today, but the friction is going from US dollar to Lightning easily and without as much friction. Is that is that the use case for Blip? Uh, no, uh, uh, we were uh, we built our wallet with cybersecurity standards. Uh, we it will be safe to say that our wallet is ninety percent Lightning uh, on chain. I don't recommend on-chain. Takes forever. Fees are too high. Uh, so I can we we cannot go Lightning only. We need we needed that option because Chivo did not have Lightning. So in order for for us to be compatible with Chivo, that had to be open. Uh, having online uh, on-chain uh, on a node is is quite complicated because when someone transferred you uh, x amount of Sats. Uh, the on-chain balance goes way off because when you receive that, that is automatically uh, converted to, to Lightning. So you have to rebalance the node a lot. And yeah, liquidity might be a problem. So our approach was not, not only to be a Bitcoin 
wallet. We wanted people to have an option like uh, open node that you can have you just on the settings, you can choose automatic conversion or leave it as BTC and the services to take your money to the bank. So that, that, that is a, a, a quite hefty integration. And like I said, bootstrap financing and liquidity is a problem, but uh, we have managed to make a, pro- a product that um, this is, I will emphasize that people here and not only here, but in developing countries, uh, Latin America, Africa, wherever, uh, people buy the equivalent of $1 for navigation time and they spend it. So if someone is going to download Blue Wallet, that's 150 megabytes. That is a huge amount of data for them. Uh, for the, the people that have unlimited plans, that's not an issue. Other thing is that connections in the interior of the country are not 4G. So it takes a while to download 150 megabytes. Our solution was only 10 megabytes and works with the crappiest internet ever. You can even send sats with Edge. So we managed to pull that because uh, the wallet per se does not require that, that amount of resources. It goes in, in, in the back end. So when uh, we were talking to Rick that we could do uh, Lightning ATMs, and in fact, we did, um, we had created this product without knowing it. And at the beginning, it was called Jelly, Be- Jelly Bean Boom Protocol. We were listening to a song with, of REM. It's the end of the world. <laughs> so Jelly Bean Boom stuck with it, but that cannot be commercialized. So at the beginning, the Hexam encryption method had uh, three layers. Now it has five, so we cannot change the name. So um, we had a problem with the lighting ATMs that we had we were opting for removing security, uh, the Hexton security in order to be compatible with all technology like coin acceptor or bill uh, money, uh, money note uh, readers. And we said, hell no, we're not dumbing down our system. So we uh, managed to do it with the Hexton encryption method. Then I said, hey, Rick, we have something bigger than the wallet and this is the Hexton encryption method. We could... Uh, provide this to um, healthcare industry, banking industry, app industry, whatever needs to have to- something tokenized and, uh, and encrypted, we could offer that through Hexam. Then the idea came that we should do uh, a lightning encrypted messaging app and then Blip was warm. Uh, Originally, we had three names for, 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 for the app. Blip stuck because I'm a fan of, of this guy in the Police Academy. His name is Michael Winslow, uh, who made sounds. So yeah. on Spaceballs, he, he was with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with this big-ass helmet and said about the blips, the blips, the blips, the blips. And also, <laughs> uh, when you go... On national television or national radio, you cannot swear. You get lipped for everything you say. So, in fact, it became that. And then um, we took some of the 
letters of lip, which is uh, Bitcoin Lightning uh, privacy and messaging app. So uh, that's the, the long story of Blip. Uh, we are releasing it on the 16th of, no- of November at, uh, at the Bitcoin conference here. And uh, so far, we had problems with the uh, delay sending uh, messages. At the beginning, it was 12 seconds, which was unacceptable. Then we took it down to five seconds, which still was unacceptable. And now we have it in, in real time. And we are working on the user interface, which at the moment is very technical. So it's not, not eye candy and doesn't have a good looking. But after we get everything done, the surgeon will come and do the plastic surgery. <laughs> Sorry, I want to, can I just dig under the technical aspects you guys are talking about? And so is Blip not just a lightning wallet, but it's a messaging service. Is that correct? Uh, our wallet it ha- it has a different name. Our wallet is two wallet, but I, I was telling yeah. Rick last week that maybe we should change it to Blip Wallet as well to keep the name. They are right. separate apps. So, so Blip wallet. is its own app. So Blip is just a messaging, a new messaging app. Yes, correct. Okay. How would it be different to say Signal or Telegram? That's a a good question. One, if I take WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, Threema, Wicker, whatever you have at the moment, uh, you're assigned a a public key and a static private key. If I get a hold of that key, I can see whatever messages you have received. And I can tell you this on my, my, my line of work, what can be seen and what cannot be seen. And this, in this method with the hexam, every message has its own private key. So it's a private key per message. And it's, it's, uh, it's like Colonel Sanders, uh, KFC uh, recipe cannot be divulged, but it, 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 we have not invented the wheel. It is just a method of encryption. You use base 64 AES, SHA, uh, 256, um, generate some random words, take away X amount of letters, uh, incorporate uh, a lightning address, uh, not to be used, but just the, the hash of the lightning address, which, which is unique. And you have a, a pretty solid uh, encryption. Uh, the, the other thing is... Um, Hexam. I lost myself. <laughs> um, Sorry, while you're thinking of that, um, is this going to be available to anyone outside of El Salvador? Yes, in fact, yeah, it, everybody. It, would be, it would be available to anyone. So, in order to for Blip to work, you have to to uh, on up uh, uh, uh on ramp, let's say a dollar, and a, do- a dollar right now is five k sats. So you, you need two sats for, for messaging uh, the other part. So um, even if if our backend is is hacked, all you see is uh, gibberish because it's it's all everything. It's a lightning invoice. So each user is 
is assigned a lightning address. Uh, we recommend, since we are not KYC, we just have user and password and confirm password, then you, you get a hash. That hash uh, is if you lose your account or if your phone is stolen and you, you don't remember your, your password, you use that hash and recover your account. That's the only way of recovering the, the account. We suggest not to use your real name, but that's up to the user. If we get hacked, which uh, I cannot be certain that that will not happen because in cybersecurity, you manage uh, the hacked platforms and the ones that have not been hacked yet. But you cannot assure them uh, this is unhackable. If you're going after our messages, you have to hack and decrypt each message private key. So it, I can say from my security standpoint that it is very difficult. So you, the, the message you're looking must be the correct one and must be really important for you in order to use X amount of resources to decrypt that. Okay, I get that. So, that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting because this is something we've talked about on the show before is so Signal, Telegram, they're for free, which makes you the product. And I get nervous using Telegram more and more. So I'm thinking, I'm not paying for this. So at what stage are they going to be selling off my data or to whom? Um, so with Lip, is it a one-time payment to join? Is it the more you use it, the more you sat you have to pay? It is like a car. You have a, a, a ute. That's what you call them in Australia. You're out of petrol. You fill it up with petrol. So it's on a pay-per-use basis. Uh, we, don't, we don't have your location. We don't, we don't have your IP. We don't have your email. We don't have your, your phone number because in, on Signal 3 and everything else, you, you need to provide a phone number. The service will provide an SMS via Twilio or whatever other service they use. So in, in some point, you're, you're being KYC. And this, you can go on, register it as, sir, stacks a lot. By the way, that, that, that's Rick's uh, handle uh, was. It's an old one. <laughs> so, and nice. you provide a, 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 an email and that's it. That, 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 that's what you need well, to open the account. If you want to start sending messages, you have to send some sats to your account. So... A regular user with $1, $2 can send a big amount of messaging. This is yeah. on, the, on the first phase. On the second phase, mm. the, 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 the peer to lightning to peer uh, will be as a handshake. And then you can send files. You can uh, do video conference. You can do um, voice messaging, voice call, um, wh whatever signal and other similar apps are offering, but the same principle, a private key for each interaction. That, that's incredible. Kind of remind, so, so one of the things that, you know, well, there's a couple really um, interesting points as Alejandro is sharing is this can potentially help drive adoption to people that aren't really interested in Bitcoin as an asset, as a store of value or medium of exchange. There's far more people right now that are interested in protecting uh, and having private speech. And so in doing so, the user would download an app, 
find out the way to buy $1, $2 worth of Satoshis, right? And empower their communication. So you throw $1 on, you get 5,000 Satoshis. That'll, that'll cover 2,500 messages. So for less than 50 cents, maybe a buck if you're a big time text messenger, you can have completely encrypted um, private communication. So this kind of drives the the adoption discussion um, as as instead of just looking at Bitcoin from a monetary standpoint, this is really driving driving it from the power of the Bitcoin network itself, which you're just attaching a Satoshi to and dragging that communication across the network. So yeah, that's, that's so that's one thing that so that's one thing I think is is, is really powerful. But the other thing that is is really interesting um, is what we call blip freedom. We have about we have four specific things that we've kind of dialed in on as far as uh, blip communication is concerned. And so blip freedom is really um, will be an application for movements, revolutions, if we do it right. So you know it, it it's driven to where. You know, if you're on WhatsApp or Telegram and you're the Canadian truckers convoy and they don't like what you're saying, they want to shut you down. They just turn that stuff off or they identify you. So um, if you don't have the capability to do that, uh, that's bad if you're if you're the government. It's great if you're the people, because, you know, we're trying to protect free speech or protected speech. But under the same amendment is freedom of assembly. And, you know, we're we're trying to protect or bring together freedom of assembly in the digital realm because it all starts with the phone and the communications. Hey, we're getting together. We're putting the band back together. People start congregating through that communication application. And if you don't have the ability to do that or if you gain momentum, and they want to just turn you off, that's what they'll do. Um, and it's becoming more and more prevalent. So with Blip Freedom, it will be an application that can be uh, funded. You can make donations into the app. Anybody can join into the app. It will be bot administered. So let's say right now there's an uprising in, in Brazil. So we can have Blip Flip me slash Brazil and anybody that wants to donate into that app so that tens of thousands of people can openly communicate in that platform, they can without being censored or turned off. So um, that that's another application within blip that, uh, that I think is pretty powerful. Yeah, with that is like you have the app and you join the channel. Um, you have the the Blip Freedom app. You you, you join the channel you want. Let's say uh, Trucker's Convoy or Iran, Iranian mm. Freedom. You join there, and that's a closed group. But that the messaging happening in that group will never leave that. So if you want, if you as a, 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 as a supporter for that cause, you can send some sats for people to use that. That, that that platform and uh, since we don't log ips and we don't we don't log anything but the username 
uh, we don't know who will join. So in that case, uh, each channel will be bought administered. And as, as someone that has worked for the government, I, I know that government sent people to those groups and extract intel. But in, in that case, since it's bought administered and you have the possibility with the supermajority vote, voting you out, if 75%, 75% of the people there vote you out, you're, you're out and blocked from that group. So we, we cannot li- uh, give the, a person the, the authority of removing people. So that a bot is neutral and it's a program. It has no feelings, so it has no grudges. So if the supermajority votes someone out, the bot will boot him out. And, and it's, no, uh, it's a, not a single point of failure as well. It doesn't lead back to one particular person that starts the group. So I think you've actually answered a question I was going to ask, because, I mean, we have seen censorship on the rise in the last two years and freedom of speech being oppressed and like to me, if I don't want to listen to someone, I can just mute them on Twitter. I don't need Twitter to actually come up with a policy. Um, so that was going to be my question. If you're not monitoring these chats, and my first thought was that's great, but is there a concern that you could have um, a group that is inciting some kind of potential violent action, and this is a free forum um, a free platform for them to organize violent action or extremism. You don't monitor that, but if someone in that group is planning on doing that or someone that the group basically would monitor itself is, is, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. And no, the thing is who uh, truckers, the trucker convoy, let's say it's happening right now. You support them. You want them to have free uh, right of association and freedom of speech and all that. You send some sats to that channel. Uh, the channels will not be uh, created by by people. It'll be created by us if we see uh, something happening on the news. Let's say the hijab thing in Iran. Right now, there will be Iranian freedom. Uh, Back then, in, in 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 the truckers convoy, let me slash truckers convoy. So you cannot go as a terrorist or as a narco organization or criminal enterprise and make your own channel and that channel be being funded. Uh, yes, we have a block option, and uh, that's uh, on the, the the freedom app as well as on the other app. So if someone is uh, pestering you, you can just block him. And if he keeps sending you messages, he will still be sending sats. One other point is um, we can't monitor the messages. We don't see anything. The only thing we see is a string of a hash. If Even if we wanted to look at the messages, we can't. It's just a hash. So there is nothing to look into. So it actually reminds me a little bit of Hashcash and having a cost to doing something. So for example, Hashcash was created and um, there was a cost to sending an email. You know, that was a tiny bit of your super CPU power to send one email. But if you're a spammer, it might take you, you know, uh, several years to send 
10,000 emails. So I really like the uh, how you've incentivized or decentivized people spamming and people perhaps doing the wrong thing, just like in Bitcoin, you know, trying to cheat the system, whatever. Um, could I oversimplify this by saying, apart from an email address, it's sort of a semi-private, uh, decentralized messaging Patreon. Is that what you guys are trying to do? On the Freedom app, could be uh, called a Patreon because you, it is crowdfunded. On the regular app, uh, you just pay for what you're sending. And you have, um, you can send to another user. But on the Freedom Groups, it's a closed channel. So only people interacting there can send messages uh, to them. So one of the ways you can you can get somebody onboarded onto Blip is, for example, if I wanted my mother to start using the application, she might not want to go out and buy Bitcoin and and go through the process. It, it's becoming more mainstream, but if they don't, you can have them just download Blip, and you can send Satoshi's directly into their app so that they can communicate with you. So you can get you can get them started, if you will. That's it. It's just another feature. That is done as a lightning uh, invoice and will, will be taken to as an LNURL for that to be done. So you can send uh, Faris, you can send him $1 right now because he doesn't have any Bitcoin left on, 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 on his wallet. And he needs, Gordon, please help me. I, I need to talk privately. Can you send me X amount of sats? And you can do that. So that's not a problem. Yeah. So I, I love to play devil's advocate on the show. And I absolutely love this idea. I think it's absolutely awesome because you're trying that. Let's be honest. We're, we're sort of swimming upstream. There's a lot of friction. You know, there are a lot of three letter agencies and people who don't want this to succeed. But why couldn't, and I'm putting my Bitcoin maxi hat on now. Why couldn't someone, for example, who's got lightning and, and got Bitcoin uh, a lot of Bitcoiners use Briar messaging, you know, peer-to-peer and that kind of stuff. Why couldn't they be doing this, you know, sending, say, invoices over, say, Briar messaging or something like that? They could. But we're the first ones. And it seems like you're building a platform that's based on convenience, trying to take the friction out of doing these things like the crowdfunding and donating and sending money and and that kind of thing yes that's that's correct yes. yeah and no, i can tell you yeah gordon's a tech heavy one i'm i'm always airing on a side of convenience that's where i come from so i relate Alejandro to what you're talking about apple i found that yeah post jobs era apple is just not what it used to be so um i would pay for a service i knew was secure and had a good interface um so if you don't mind there's something before i forget to ask you there was something you mentioned early on when you're talking about the idea of Bitcoin is essentially tied to the Bukele administration. So is there really no, none of the other parties are thinking, okay, this Bitcoin legal tender, Bitcoin standard, there's there's no counterparty support. It's just with the Bukele administration. Is that right? It's just with the Bukele administration. And once Bukele is not a president, and that can happen not in the near future, but eventually it will happen these kind of projects can get scrapped like mm. because it's governmental so that's why uh, 
Rick and I have been working on other platforms that are, that are not governmental in order to implement Bitcoin and uh, further the Bitcoin adoption. And private projects uh, cannot be scrapped. Political projects do get scrapped by another administration that does not think like the past administration. Um, is constitutionally in El Salvador, is it a, a one-term presidency? Isn't, is that how it works? We have a, 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 an imposed constitution by the U.S. Uh, that was dated back in 1983. has not been changed since then. Uh, our constitution only permits one term, but there's a, 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 a legal loophole there that says a president that has been president for six years, for five years, I mean, our presidency is five years, cannot be reelected. But if he doesn't finish the six years and takes leaves of absence for, let's say, six months prior to the elections, that can be done. And that's the legal loophole. And that was approved by the Supreme Court Justice, not now, back in 2013. Okay. So if he takes a leave of absence for a period, he can run again for presidency. Yes. Okay. Um, we actually did reach out to our friends' contacts in El Salvador and just said, did they have any questions? And um, one was, uh, so making Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador, has it actually made El Salvador, um, so thinking of the presidency, but also the people, a target for... Um, so I know, sorry, let's, let's do it in two parts. So with the president, essentially, it's been a... You've, you have seen this conflict or hostility between uh, El Salvador and the Bretton Woods institutions, the IMF, World Bank, you know, U.S. basically saying, we're not going to send you any aid, which arguably probably hasn't been that beneficial. So is it El Salvador is kind of on the radar now going, okay, we're trying to move off the petrodollar system. Has that caused a security threat to the president himself or to El Salvador as a sovereign state? Well, we owe a lot to the IMF from previous uh, administrations. So at some point, uh, the IMF thinks that we, the country, uh, are theirs. And that's not quite true. Uh, yes, when Bitcoin adoption was uh, placed uh, as law, the IMF said, "Go, don't go there. Don't use Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not advisable. So we, uh, yes, some credits were put at risk for that, but we had another solution. Uh, on the security standpoint, uh, there's a, a term called economic cost of violence. When we received El Salvador in 2019, we had, uh, the, first I had to add that the economic cost of violence is compared to the GDP. So we had a 27% cost of violence in 2019. 27% of our GDP was going to organized crime or to tackle that down. 2020, the pandemic, I cannot consider that, that, uh, that the government did, did something to reduce that. The pandemic had something to do with that. But then in 2021, the pandemic was already over or that pandemic. Um, so on 2021, our economic cost of violence came down to 17%. And right now, 
with the security measures that, that we have implemented, uh, the economic cost of violence is not an index that I manage. You can go to visionofhumanity.org and see the cost of, of violence. We manage our own to see if it matches the one of, of vision of humanity. Uh, and I, it'll save, I'll, it, it's safe to say that we will be closing El Salvador with 14% of the GDP being that the economic cost of violence. So if you take that, it's, all, it's 13% of the GDP that has been freed and it's not going to organized crime. So that money is going back into the economy. So that, that has helped us buy in advance our own debt. And I, people will say, okay, the, the economic violence, blah, blah, blah. But there's another, uh, another term, the economic cost of violence pre- prevention. So right now, mm-hmm. on that index, we are on less than half a percent of the GDP. So if you see what we're doing with 0.5% of the GDP versus the benefits we get of 13 points down the GDP, that's 3.4 or $3.5 billion that are not going to organized crime, terrorist organization, or narcos. Sorry, I, I might miss that if he did answer his question, so apologies if he did. But what was the causation or correlation for the increased funds going into crime prevention? Did, did something happen or was it related to, I know there have been a lot of talk on Twitter, especially about the Bukele administration coming in and being hard on crime. Is that what it was where that the funds going into crime prevention, um, there wasn't not as much going into it? Is that... Was that the causation of that? Just being no, that's not. No, 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 that's not completely true. Past administrations have made deals with gang members and have given them money. One of them is my my cousin Ernesto, the ex mayor of San Salvador, which is which he is in jail right now for negotiating with gangs and financing them. Uh, so we are spending a little bit more than past administrations. Let's say. Uh, Point two more, or less than one percent. Uh, we're on zero point uh, zero five percent of the GDP. That 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 takes policemen, uh, military, uh, detention centers, everything, and and even the justice system can be included in that. So, with that, that being less than one percent of the GDP and the benefits you're getting, the thing is. In past administration, they, they did not apply the law. Right now, they they are applying the law, and the Constitution gives you what Bukele is doing right now. So you have a Constitution, and on the year 2015, the National Congress named the Mara Salvatrucha and the Barrio 18 gang as terrorist organizations. They just gave them the name. If you give, give the name terrorist organizations, you have the power of the constitution to tackle them down. And that is what is doing what Bukele is, Bukele's administration is doing right now, using the constitution, enforcing the law, and taking organized crime down. And so far, we have from March that the first uh, state of uh, of exemption was implemented 
we have results, visual results. People are not being extortioned. Uh, there are days without any homicides. We were once the most violent country in the world. We come from a 12-year civil war. Then after that, we have the gangs. So past administration did not pay attention to the gangs. In fact, they profited from, from the gangs. They let them grow. So it became a business. They open up uh, private security firms. They open up uh, gun shops. They open up whatever it was in it to, 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 to combat that as a private citizen and not do it as a government because they could do more money that way. So things have changed. Things have, have changed drastically. And now the law is respected and is being applied. Yeah, I, to add on to that, I, I've been here just under a year. And I, I, I don't think anybody realizes just how safe and secure the country has become from hearing past stories. I have two daughters here. I wouldn't have my family here for a minute if I thought it was unsafe and restoring law and order here is really, I think the basis for El Salvador's success. I I think Bitcoin would not be what it is today right here in terms of people wanting to invest um, tourism. Um, If this place was lawless still, it, it just wouldn't stand a chance, but at the base layer, Law and reorder, law, the uh, law and order has has really been restored, and well, we, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've had personal experiences, like um, Gordon mentioned, James and Nikki were a couple in New Zealand, and as soon as the government here announced these mandates, they just left and went to El Salvador, and they've since been helping other countries leave New Zealand to go to El Salvador because the um yeah there's greater human rights respect than what we've lost here essentially so it's it's been very interesting um now on the flip side of that so we we have seen a lot of youtube channels people basically saying i moved here because of bitcoin i even think that um, el salvador's tourism rate is almost at pre-covid levels which is amazing considering the rest of the world is down like 80 percent um is there a concern that okay hang on guys don't flaunt the fact that you're into Bitcoin, that you might own Bitcoin, because potentially you are a target for, um, you know, $5 wrench attack. Mm. I didn't get that, the last part. So, sorry, do people moving to El Salvador because they are excited about the Bitcoin standard and they are, you know, promoting Bitcoin, do they need to be a little bit careful to say, all right, don't, you know, don't promote the fact that you own Bitcoin because you are potentially putting a target on your back. Is no, that no, something no, you no, aware of? I don't see that lot, at all. If you have a lot of Bitcoin, just to say that, but that's common sense on any place in in the earth. So, <laughs> I, I think I think more people are moving here because they feel like it's actually safe. But yes, Bitcoin ha- has Bitcoin has taken El Salvador to 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 a spotlight and. Tourism here has increased a lot since the Bitcoin law came in effect. We have many people uh, coming from a- anywhere in the world. We have Russians, we have Germans, Austrians. We we have uh, a melting pot of people coming here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that's because of Bitcoin and in part because it's a, now a safe country. Uh, th- there's a movie, a short film um, made by a Bitcoin shooter, mm-hmm. and it's called Comeback. Comeback Country, 
and he tells you in 10 minutes the story of El Salvador and how things have gotten better. And I would really like to 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 say thank you to the, to your prime minister Jacinda um, for sending us New Zealanders to our country. Uh, she should send us more. <laughs> I'll get that message to her. <laughs> then I will be banned from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, most Kiwis are banned from New Zealand now, so it's it's a long yeah. time to be joining. I think. <laughs> Um, um, I mean, when when you think about it, what you guys have been saying is people moving from a Western from a Western democracy country to El Salvador to get more freedom and have a better lifestyle. I don't think people fully appreciate the importance of of what that actually means. But I'd like to ask you, Rick you you did you come to El Salvador for the Bitcoin and stay for the lifestyle, or what 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 was your decision making there? Well, actually, I, I had been living down in Costa Rica for quite a while, uh, and uh, I'm originally from Ohio, trying to outrun the cold weather. So so my um, our family had been down in Costa Rica, and again, I, I came up here in November of last year, and I wanted to get involved with with funding the development of a wallet, checking out the country, um, and I just wanted to play a, a bigger role um, in the community. And so, you know, we, we came up here uh, towards the end of January. And and actually, that was about the time when, when the government and, and the gangs really, really had it out. Like, it was one, like, yeah, it was one interesting situation. I mean, you could, you didn't really see it on the street or, or you wouldn't know anything was going on. But, of course, Alejandro and his team, you know, um, they've been busy. Um, and so... You know, the the past year, it's it's just, I don't know, you, you just don't, you wouldn't guess that this place was in such dire straits um, for the past 15, 20 years. People have hope. Um, there's just, there's a lot going on here. More than you would think. Bars, restaurants, music, theater. Um, yeah, it's just, just really surprising. So to In us- a good way. Well, I, I mean, that's amazing. And to us who who don't live there and, you know, Faris and I have traveled and people listening have traveled, but they probably haven't been to El Salvador. They might have been to Costa Rica or something like that. Um, sometimes as Bitcoiners, we live in a bubble. Like, yeah, you know, everyone in El Salvador is using Bitcoin and Lightning and, you know, kids are being taught at school. But um, outside of that bubble, sort of what what is the general sort of feeling outside of that Bitcoin ecosystem sort of sphere? Well, I, I think I think Bitcoin has a long way to go here. You know, I, I, it um, there's there's plenty of people that use Bitcoin, um, but when Chivo first came out of the gates, you know, he, as Alejandro is saying, it didn't have Lightning. So <clears throat> to ask Super Selectos and you know grocery all the grocery stores and pharmacies to to use that on chain um, was really difficult, and so. You know, I think what Bukele has done is absolutely amazing, but without any education and without the right tools, you know, there, there's enough friction as, as, it, as it is. So I think that really slowed things. The past few months, past six months, there's some really good programs that are going on here, like my premier Bitcoin. And, um, you know, so these things are happening. Um, and of course, we've had the, you know, 
the whole year, Bitcoin's been sliding down. So as Bitcoin's in a in a drawdown period, you know, everybody's quiet. And then when it goes back up, everybody's all wound up and wants to talk about it. So uh, so it's a, it's it's going to take a little bit of time for sure. But uh, but it's all positive. It's very good. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a Bitcoiner to be down here. You you could just simply want to be in a safe community um, that's maybe it's more affordable. And and that's 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 perfectly fine. You, you don't have to just be a Bitcoiner. So. Well, com compared to Costa Rica. And, and I'm from Costa Rica. The, the Pura Vida vibe, which is being standard. And you don't want to be standard. Uh, Costa Rica is going down the drain. Uh, prices are steep on everything. And El Salvador has the, the lowest price on petrol. We, uh, not I, but the, the, the Bukele administration has done some things to keep inflation under control. We don't have any coin. Uh, we lost our, 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 our country coin in, 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 the, in the early 2000s. We are a USD nation. So when the Fed uh, do something, they don't, they don't take us in consideration. So I think what the administration has done to combat inflation has been the right measures. Um, Rick can say you, uh, uh, if you go to Costa Rica, Pura Vida, and you eat, you have a pizza, three beers, two pizzas, three beers, and one glass of water, That is equivalent to 60 US dollars. In El Salvador, that's different. The same thing for 35 dollars. And not going the, the cheap way, going to the same level of restaurants. I think what what's exciting. <laughs> Gallo. <laughs> Just Pilsen. Oh, is there? Okay. is from Guatemala. We we have Filson and Suprema, and Regia. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I think what's what what is exciting is you know as fast as El Salvador has turned things around, in the amount of time they've done it, hmm. it should give a lot of other countries hope that they can do the same thing. Well, we have seen that ripple effect. I mean, I think Central African Republic. Um, they said they're looking into it. Um, we actually interviewed um, Lord Fuzitua, who is trying to implement Bitcoin as legal tender in Tonga. So, and this was always the concern. You're being the first one out of the gate. You're the one who's going to end up with the arrows in your back. That's uh, right. Which is great for El Salvador. And that's the thing. You, yeah, it's we have seen that ripple effect. Um, is El Salvador looking at potentially paying its federal employees in Bitcoin, like military or any anything like that? Has that been uh, flirted with? No, not happening right now. I wish yeah. I get paid in Bitcoin. I don't. <laughs> And uh, I, I did see a report come out that some G8 nations are just in the last quarter have been buying gold, physical gold. They've been selling it for the last decade to China, but now it's it's come out that they're buying gold. Is El Salvador anywhere interested in purchasing more gold, looking at a gold Bitcoin center, or is it just Bitcoin only? Well, gold was stolen uh, in past administrations, let's say at the beginning of the, the 80s, beginning of the 90s. So we had no gold. 
So now we're, we're Bitcoin standard. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, this is so exciting. It really is. A country having Bitcoin as legal tender, I still can't get my you know, head around that. Um, it's just amazing. Um, would it be fair to say that uh, the administration in Bukele, um, the intentions were good, um, the ideas were good, but perhaps, you know, with Chivo and, and rushing out the, the implementation, maybe not as good. And uh, this is kind of why you guys are sort of like, well, let's not follow a particular person, whatever, let's build technologies that will stand the test of time. Would that be a fair synopsis? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I think it's also so early that mm. um, there's there's room for everybody to play in this market. And um, at the end of the day, the best products continue on and, and the market decides what works for them and what doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Cool. Well, there's definitely a, definitely a need for blip. Um, Alejandro, I just thought of a, a sort of a question there with, with um, Bitcoiners sort of perhaps coming to El Salvador. What about expats? Like people who have left El Salvador, maybe living in America, or whatever, are they coming back now? Or is that not happening yet? Well, the, the difference that is that legal Salvadorians, Salvadorians that have, who have become legal citizens, they have they they have never set foot here. Uh, after they they left, they are coming back not to live but to invest, uh, to invest in a house, to buy this, to buy that, to buy a property, uh, to open up this business. Um, the illegal Salvadorians that we have in the U.S. Well, some are deported and some are are not. But they cannot earn the same wage. They are they are earning right now in the U.S. and they would earn here doing the same. So those people just are sending their remittance money to their families and wishing us luck. <laughs> um, but I've seen people that have become American citizens that have come back, but to invest and to stay a couple of months, um, go to to the beach, to the mountains. Uh, El Salvador is not a big country. Uh, you have the beach, if you live in San Salvador, you have the beach at 30 kilometers. You have the mountains at 100 kilometers. You have one of the nicest lakes at 60 kilometers. So everything is very near the yeah. city. Very close. And those, so, remittances, those remittances are not coming back via Western Union. Are they coming back via Chivo Wallet or Blip Wallet? Well, we we want to take part of that. That's why we we partnered with Azteco. Uh, now we're working on on our end to implement Azteco to have that as an option. And yes, we do want part of the the, the the remittances to come through Lightning, and for people to stop paying billions of dollars to to Western Union and MoneyGram. Absolutely, yeah. And and again, it's not just the the people saving money in fees um you know that money can be you know 20 or 30 percent or, or whatever it is can be used sort of elsewhere and that's going to benefit it, not just el salvadorians but you know the country in general as well um just to piggyback on what Farah said is about um uh economics and inflation and stuff like that is there a danger then of bitcoiners and perhaps westerners coming to el salvador increasing inflation and 
cost of living? No, not at all. In fact, inflation here has been managed better than most Central American countries. And if I see the U.S. as it is right now, or Europe, um, I could say inflation will hit hard the U.S. and the European zone. In fact, the ongoing war in Ukraine has dealt damage to the European uh, economy. And that'll get worse, in my opinion. I'm not, I do geopolitical analysis, but not, not economic ones. I know from the geopolitical side that it will have repercussions. And yeah, uh, imagine being capped up to what, how many watts you can use of electricity or what temperature do you have to have your house on uh, in order to keep warm on, on the winter. Here we don't have winter. Here we, we, you have summer and summer with rain. That, that, those are the two seasons you have here. Yeah. So people here are, if they bring um, their investments here or the Bitcoin, it is safe. They can invest here. That's not a problem. We don't have any laws that, that does not let anyone open up a corporation. Uh, that's not a problem. Rick and I open a corporation. He he is the CEO. So that's not a problem. Uh, there are no problems. Uh, I think the, the 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 mistake El Salvador made in the past, past administration, is that they let Costa Rica have the paradise label. And I went. I have been to Costa Rica a couple of times, and last time I went, I, I understood why they call it Pura Vida. And Pura Vida is being standard. So no, I'm not Pura Vida. <laughs> Gordon, get, getting back to what you were talking about in, in regards to remittances, you know, there's about $5.5 billion that are remitted back to El Salvador annually. On average, that, that, that's between 9 and 12% is what Western Union and the like take. So half a billion dollars doesn't get back to the people. 18 million transactions with the average transaction of about $300 at a time. So it's uh, it's staggering the amount of money that uh, that is lost to the the money transmitters that's going to be coming back in as education grows, as people begin to trust Bitcoin and the tools evolve, make it very efficient and simple to use. More will pour in. So for us, it's a no-brainer, right? Just use Lightning Network, use Bitcoin. But how do you, how do you educate the people? Like, how does that actually get done? Hmm. Oh, you you have uh, Casa del Bitcoin, which they do education. You have another foundation called Mi Primera Bitcoin, my first Bitcoin. They they kind of do that, but we need to get that multiplied. They're doing that in the schools now, and and if we could have it going on in in more schools, you know, I mean, I, I think education at that level is is where it really starts. So they've been they've been rolling that out here. This is the uh, we just had a there was just a graduating class right or it's on the 14th i think so starting at that at that high school level fifth sixth seventh eighth grade level is absolutely huge and, and like school principals and uh 
I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know the education system, but uh, in other perhaps uh, developing economies, uh, you know, you have village chiefs and governors. Like, are, are people receptive to that? Like someone coming into a school and doing Bitcoin education? No, mm. not not at all. Uh, the, the thing is more of political reasons, because if you have a, ma- a mayor that, that is not in the line of Bukele, they will not allow Bitcoin in their county or municipality. So those are stupid grudges that people have. Uh, if, if they stop seeing the without blinders, they would see a new whole horizon uh, of possibilities, but they stick to the political grudge they have. So that's not healthy, not, not for them, not for the country. Okay, so it sort of depends on the region as to perhaps where Bitcoin there, adoption will happen first. There are 262 municipalities in the country. Uh, um, I, I would say 80% of them are in alignment with the Bukele administration. Right. And if I, for example, as a tourist or an expat or whatever, I came, forget about Bitcoin Beach and that that sort of thing. If I, just a regular restaurant in San Salvador or something and I wanted to pay with Lightning or Bitcoin, can I do that? I guess through the Chivo wallet, I can do that. Anyway. Depends on, on, on the restaurant. It would depend. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot a... of, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, in a lot of, a lot of situations, it, it wouldn't be offered. There, there's a lot that just say, just give me the MasterCard or the Visa. That's more, that that's a more regular scenario still. That's why we wanted to implement MasterCard with our wallets. Right. Hmm. Right now, there's a big corporation called Grupo Piramide. Grupo Piramide has KFC, uh, Pizza Hut, China Walk, which is an, a, 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 a Chinese fast food chain, uh, has Olive Garden, uh, what are they? Oh, Starbucks. They have that. So the, you can pay Bitcoin through Strike or through uh, Ibex Mercado. So those are big players. And you get more Bitcoin-friendly small businesses that don't have that bureaucracy of, to to have that implemented. The owner says, go ahead and do it. So it's easier to find a, a, an entrepreneur, a small business using that. And there are other big, uh, um, let's say, equivalent to Macy's in the U.S. would be Siman, which is a department store. Siman, uh, the family has been supportive of the Republican Party, which was in power, and they have been in power many many years. Uh, they use uh, Open Node for their transactions. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, those are people that will not fight the money. Money is green, so they will receive it from anyone. So that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But let's say on on a car dealership uh, owned by the, the Poma family, which is a big family has, that has supported one of the richest families in the country that has supported the Republican Party in the past, you cannot pay them through Bitcoin if you're purchasing a new car. So... It's part political grudge and not seeing the benefits and 
like I said, the, the best marketing tool for Bitcoin is education. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, as Bitcoin as we, you know, Bitcoin's going to save the world, um, which we think it, it will in, in some parts. But so the reality is it's legal tender, but perhaps some businesses tell you to go away with it. Um, they're not forced to use or accept Bitcoin. Okay. So even Definitely. though it's legal tender, they can tell you to go away. Yeah. yeah. The law in, in, in that aspect has not been applied. Okay. There were 12 to 14 articles of the Bitcoin law. And there's a loophole there that if you don't have the technology to use it, you, you, you just don't use Bitcoin. So I think the law is scrawny at some point, but enforcing a law like that will take out popularity out. So uh, nothing by force is good. So yeah. on, on, on that approach, yeah, I, I, I think that's the right way not to enforce it strictly. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if I bring the book by, by Lord Bingham, The Rule of Law, uh, on organized crime and and narco and other illicit activities, yeah, the law has to be applied fully and with all its weight. Yeah. Um, you guys have been amazing, and we've we've gone uh, an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, we could go on for another two hours, and I could ask Alejandro about cybersecurity, privacy, and uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. Faris and I have just started a new venture, a, a new venture about privacy and self-hosting and having people, you know, basically own their own data or whatever, which is exciting, but that's for another time. Do you guys want to wrap up and any final thoughts? Feel free to plug yourself, uh, your projects or whatever. Yeah. Make sure you tell our listeners where they can find you as well, your handles. Oh, my, my <laughs> handle, it's quite complicated because it, it's A and Mershont, but it's spelled M-U-Y-S-H-O-N-D-T. So it's kind of, kind of difficult, but. It's doable. The other thing is uh, at Blip, we're working on a voting system that could revolutionize uh, democracies using Lightning Address. And we can be at proxy voting by companies or whatever is needed by small council votings, by country voting uh, to the top tier elections. And that is transparent. And that, that could revolutionize how people do democracy now transparent real time and encrypted yeah oh it's amazing that you can send a meme to someone on the other side of the world but we haven't figured out how to vote yet <laughs> that's by that's by design right yeah. Yeah, exactly we want the right people in power right yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, when when is blip set to be released we're making that announcement on november 16th Okay, we'll be watching that space. That sounds really, really fascinating. And um, I guess you can keep up uh, or you can go to our website, uh, highvoltage.app. And we will we have a Twitter handle out for, for BlipMe, I believe. What was what the Twitter handle, sorry? Yeah, it's uh, uh, is on it Twitter. Blip me? It's BlipMe app. Yeah. Yeah. But right now it doesn't have anything. Uh, we haven't we haven't had time for 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 for, for those issues. We we've been solving the delay in messaging uh, problem, 
And like I said, right now, um, the interface, it's crappy, but a plastic surgeon will, will soon get, get on it and fix it. So that's yeah, easy. We've also kind of kept it uh, quiet because um, in agreement with Bitcoin Magazine, uh, they want to do the official announcement November 16th, and then we'll be more vocal and and uh, start doing the, the social media tidbits. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much for your time, Regan Alejandro. It's been a real pleasure. And um, yeah, we if you don't mind, we'd love to have you back next year once Blips launch and see how everything's going. We'll do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And good luck on what you're with, with what you're doing. Keep us oh, up to you, date. Guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and send my regards to the prime minister. <laughs> She's not taking my calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thanks, Alejandro. Well, thanks, Rick. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies But these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.